everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Throwing Stones. I am, of course, Ryan Griffin. I'll be on pretty much all of these. And then today we do have a new guest. Uh, Matthew Basson is out working. So we are bringing in AJ Riley from, oh, he's got tons of stuff going on. Uh, was it uh, Beyond the Box? Uh, yeah, the football show. <laughs> That's right. Straight, straight shooting. AJ's got his AJ's got his fingerprints all over uh, our DSN stuff. And speaking of our Detroit Sports Nation media conglomerate we're building, make sure you guys go ahead and hit those subscribe buttons and go to all those social channels. We're going to have our Instagram, our Facebook, YouTube, Twitter right down there below. Uh, TikTok as well. And then, of course, go to DetroitSportsNation.com and read all of our articles that we have. That way you guys can keep up. With everything that we're doing, you can see all of our shows. You can see the rest of the shows AJ does. Uh, you can see everything that, of course, we're doing here at Throwing Stones. Tons of good stuff. Uh, tons of fun stuff right now, especially on the Throwing Stones front, since we are primarily a basketball show. And we are in just the infancy stages of the NBA playoffs right now. Right. Two teams have a 2 nothing lead. Those are going to be pretty much the ones we talk about. Uh, you know, a lot of things after 1-0 you kind of can't get a feel for. But uh, 2-0 is when some of these series really start to start to take form. And the first one we're going to talk about has been like the, the talk of the NBA town. People are so impressed with how this team looks. It's the most recent dynasty that we've had. But the Golden State Warriors uh, right now making absolute mincemeat of uh, Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets. Um, the Warriors have the the new death lineup, Lethal Weapon Three. I've seen them called all types of things with Andrew Wiggins, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Jordan Poole, and uh, I'm forgetting one of them. Andrew Wiggins, Steph. Oh, Draymond Green, Steph Curry, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green. How do you forget uh, your guy, Ryan? How do you forget your Spartan? So these these five I feel guys. Like you need to like apologize. I right to apologize. I Profusely. <laughs> I, I apologize, your Draymond. Guy. It's a lot of names to remember. So I just call them one name and then we'll be ready, right? Jordan Poole, Steph, Wiggins, Clay, and Draymond. Boom. There you go. The the new five-man lineup that's wreaking havoc on the NBA. They only have like this two-game sample size, but if you t- uh but their defensive rating, offensive rating off the charts, their offensive rating is over 200 and their defensive rating is 75, which is just astronomical. And um in really any way you put it, small sample size, but they've absolutely terrorized the Nuggets for these first few games. And it's been interesting because Steph Curry has come back from injury. You know, the first game, Jordan Poole really took over and he didn't need to do too much. The second game, Jordan Poole took over as well, but Steph decided he wanted to do a lot. He scored 34 points in just 22 minutes, both games off the bench. Uh, But still, even if he's hurt, even if he's coming off the bench, whenever Steph steps onto a basketball court, that is, you know, that's really just enough to impact the game right there. 100% 100% it's enough to impact the game with the best three-point shooter that I know I've ever seen and the best three-point shooter in probably the history of the NBA, right? I mean, the man touches oh, yeah. the ball and he can hit from anywhere on the court. So the moment he steps across that line, whether coming off the bench or starting, it the game is impacted, right? But what's interesting to me is Jordan Poole. Yeah. That's the interesting thing, right? Because now it, it was always right, like um, the Splash Brothers. That's what they called them, right? You had mm-hmm. uh, Steph and Clay. And now you've added a third to that mix. And Draymond could always hit when he needed to hit, that kind of thing. But now you've got Jordan Poole, who's setting records for the most like three point field goals made by a 
rookie in his first two playoff games. Or did I read that correctly? Yeah. That, yeah, I, read so that I think correctly, it's just right? player in the first two playoff games, not even, you know, rookie. Not even not rookie, rookie, just But just first just two player. playoff games, yeah. Yeah, so like games. his first two playoff games, he's hit the most three-point field goals of anybody, and it's just like, oh, great. Now the Splash Brothers have now added their younger brother, and you got to take notice with that. You know, you've got yeah. reigning MVP in Jokic, or Jokic who cannot, like, do anything against Draymond, which is a whole nother point that is not even being mentioned right now. They what he hold him to like eight points or something like that. Um, so I mean, he still got his, yeah, uh, when he's when he's guarding him, yeah. When he's I guarding, thought you meant just total game, but no, yeah. not total. But when Draymond's guarding him, it's like eight, and like that's significant. So not to mention the three point field goals that they're just able to knock down seemingly at will. Now you're taking the the best player off the court when Draymond's guarding him. That that's got to put some a few people in the league on notice. Yeah, and you know if the Warriors want to upset the Suns, which I think people are just kind of penciling in the Warriors and the Suns in the uh, in the Western Finals. You know, Jordan Poole is still going to have to be an X factor because we know what the other guys can do. We know Steph Steph Curry can be the best player on the floor. Um, at any point in any series that he's in, he's that good. You know, we know Clay Thompson, he struggled a little bit early this year, but I think last game he, you know, he had 20 points towards the end of the year. He, he was coming on as well where he can get hot. You know, he's had 37 in a quarter before. Maybe he doesn't have that in him, but he can certainly get you 37 in a game still. And while Draymond's, you know, not going to give you a whole lot scoring wise, he can still facilitate the ball. Uh, you know, he can still defend his ass off, obviously, so right. if Jordan Poole can give you really what he's been giving you and just being uh, another, you know, sharpshooter and somebody that can make plays for the Warriors, then you do have a lineup that's really tough to guard because you can't, there's no possible way that you can guard all three of those guys. So if you're going to focus in on like Steph and Poole because they're going to have the ball in their hands more, then you're letting Clay Thompson just pick his right. spots and, and, run around, and run around the perimeter and kill you that way. Which is not a good formula for any defensive game plan, right? No. It, you cannot let any one of those three. And truthfully, like, I don't know if this makes any sense schematically, but I almost want Jordan Poole to have to continue to prove it over and over, right? Which could be a death nail in the coffin. I understand that. But we know what Clay has. We obviously know what Steph has. So if I had to choose between the three, if there's someone I'm going to let pick his spots, it would be if I was the opposing coach is what I'm saying. Right. But then it's like, he goes off and he kills you basically. And you're in trouble, right? It's very hard to, as you said, defend against those three guys. Does, does Denver even get out of this series with a win at this I, point? I, so when me and Matt first talked about this series, I thought even with the injuries Denver had, it would be the seven games. It would be like back and forth, back and forth, just because I thought the Warriors were that shaky. With what I've seen for the first two games, I, there's like there's no way I can pick Denver to win a game because I think this Golden State team understands kind of the importance of rest as well to where they know Steph's banged up. Uh, you know, Draymond was, you know, banged up not all that long ago, kind of same with Klay Thompson. So I don't know that they'll take a game off in this series, uh, you know, to kind of rest. I think they'd rather just sweep them and then get that extra rest going into the second round. 
And I, I think it's a team that's focused and Denver just isn't that good, despite what I first thought, um, you know, <laughs> what I first thought going into the series. But they don't look like they have the horses at all to to match the Warriors when the Warriors, you know, are playing like this. And, you know, with this newfound lineup, that might just be right. They are going home NBA. for two games, though, right? It's not like yep. Golden State went into Denver and, and, and took those first two games. They are going home, and there is something about sleeping in your own bed and the comforts of your own arena and all that. So maybe they squeak one out, but not if you don't play defense and not if you can't guard those big three shooters. You're going to be in big-time, big-time trouble if you are Denver. Let's switch gears, though. And let's go from the West to the East, and let's talk about Philly and Toronto. All right? A lot of whining about officials. Joel Embiid seemingly can do whatever he wants when he's on the court when the Raptors are playing defense against him. They are up 2-0 um, in this series with Toronto. Can Toronto pull a game out? Uh, I think Toronto can. I think they're a little bit peskier than than what the Nuggets are, and they just seem like they're a tougher team. They're better coached, all, all of that stuff. You know, Scotty Barnes missed the last game, which is obviously tough for Toronto. And uh, I think as much as they complain about the officials, they can. You know, maybe you'll see the that complaining work a little bit. Maybe the officials are a little bit more hesitant, especially being in Toronto to, you know, right. call call fouls on the Raptors. Uh, you know, the last game, the free throw disparity, I think Toronto shot eight in the uh, the Sixers shot 28. So it's, it was a big disparity, but Toronto, I mean, Toronto is a following team. And with Philly, you obviously have Harden, you have Embiid, two guys who are, you know, like the best in the league right. at drawing contact and at drawing free throws. Uh, I, I think Toronto can take a game out. I still don't know that Philly is – you know, kind of as mentally tough as like the Warriors that we just talked about to where they're not going to let up and get a game. But Philly has their own guy, you know, Jordan Poole-esque and Tyreek's Maxey, who these last two games has gone absolutely berserk. You know, the first game, I think he had 38 points. The last game, I think he had 31. Um, so he's kind of been that third guy along right. with Embiid and Harden, just like Golden State was looking for that third guy. Uh, you know, Philly may have found it uh, as well in – um and Tyrese Maxey, who's played, you know, who's really played his ass off and given Toronto a ton of problems. And I, I, I review these scores and look at these scores, and like none of these four games that we've talked about have really even been close. Yeah, you know, yeah, I think uh, Philly won last 76ers game. 76ers beat them game one by twenty. They beat them game two by fifteen. Golden State beat Denver by sixteen, and then by twenty in game two. Like, not even close. And there's got to be some kind of like mental game that goes on where when you like lose that bad and are going back home, you it can go one of two ways, right? In my mind, it can go one of two ways. You can be like, nope, that stops here. And we go out and we put on the best performance ever. Or you're like, oh man, we're done. And then you go and get blown out two games at home. And it's like, bring out the brooms, sweep, sweep, see you later. Right. So yeah. I, I don't know. It, that's tough to recover from, though. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, not to kind of harken back too much on uh, on the Nuggets, but Jokic got thrown out of last game. I think the difference with them and the Raptors, both being the teams that are down in the 0-2 hole, the Raptors still have some of that championship pedigree left. So they're going to have Fred Van Fleet. They're going to have, you know, uh, Pascal Siakam who can come in and, you know, just not get like that emotionally, I guess, sure. upset after – you know, after the series or after a game hasn't gone their way. And that's where I think some of that toughness will come in. I think, you know, Nick Nurse is still a really good coach. And I think the Raptors just have more pieces. And, you know, too much pride is a cliche, and I kind of hate cliches and all this, but they just seem like they have too much pride to get swept. And honestly, too much pride to not even sort of make it a series. I can still see the series going six, even though Philly already has the two-game advantage. Um, I just think, you know, it's really kind of impossible to deal with and beat on some nights because he's really, you know, people talk a lot about like Kristaps Porzingis being the unicorn or some of these other guys. And it beats right up there with the unicornness. Sure. You know, I know he's big, but he's not just somebody that's down like on the post giving you, you know, Hakeem Olajuwon uh, to type of type of moves. You know, I saw a play from the last game where he's dancing basically on the sideline and it's like this turnaround three. And then they zoom into these guys on the Raptors bench. And they just got their, like their jaw drops. And it's like, well, like what yeah. are we about to do with this guy? Psychological and, advantage, man. That's exactly it what is. it is. I mean, right? Yeah. That's when, when that, when that kind of stuff's happening, that's not a good sign for your team. Right. No, and like you, you, always see... want to go, you understand that like somebody like an MB might be a unicorn and yeah, he might have that, that, that shot in his pocket. Right. But like, let's wear a poker face. Like, I mean, sometimes on, right? sometimes like, you can't it's like I mean, like you've seen some of the shots that, that like but that like like kobe hit and then you see the guys on the other teams like what <laughs> like, it's right. preposterous and I, sometimes if it's if it's that insane you just it's, i don't know I, it's human nature i guess so so here's my thought right and tell me if i'm i'm thinking the right way in order for toronto to make this any type of series an obvious i mean it's an obvious statement right but if they're going to get to six games, both games in Toronto have to be won. If they go back to Philadelphia 3-1, you might as well sign sign the scorecard. Um, I, I don't know. About, like, I still just think Toronto's tough, and I know they haven't showed it in these two games, and I don't know why I'm giving them so much more benefit of the doubt than I just gave the Nuggets, who haven't looked competitive in either of their games either. Championship but, pedigree, even though you uh, hate Yeah, cliches. I guess. Yeah, even you know, though you hate cliches, cliches. And even though – Kawhi's not there anymore. Uh, <laughs> the focal point of their championship. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just it's just tough to see the Raptors getting like ran off the court like this. I guess because all all year they've been a team that's kind of overachieved, and maybe that's the you know the calling card right there is like oh well they're not that good in the first place. So you know this is kind of where the rubber meets the road. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if they won these next two games in Toronto. Honestly, and I don't think they're a team that's just you know going to lay down like in game five if they're down three one. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't see them laying down. I just think if you end up back in Philadelphia 3-1, that's, yeah. that's going to be a very difficult, difficult game. You know, your back's against the wall. You cannot lose that game. But you've been in Philadelphia complaining about the refs already. You're not at home where you're going to get the home cooking as it is. So <laughs> it's just... It doesn't line up well, in my opinion. Scrappy or not scrappy, pride or no pride, pride doesn't win you basketball games, <laughs> you know? And putting the ball in the hoop does, and like you said, 
the best player on that court plays for Philadelphia. And that's, you know, you got to think at the end of the day, he's clearly going to be the difference in that series. Now, one thing that I am actually looking forward to talking about significantly is our old friend Kyrie Irving. Yeah. Who was once a Celtic and is no longer a Celtic. But, man, do we have a little bit of, dare I say, bitterness? Dare I say, hatred being spewed in this series between the Brooklyn Nets and the Boston Celtics. And, boy, oh, boy, did Kyrie Irving put himself right in the middle of it. Yeah, I mean, I love it. He was already going to be in the middle of it anyway. So, I guess just kind of embrace it uh, when it comes to you. But I love it. I'm team Kyrie in this one the fans are saying f you the fans are giving him the sure. same gestures that he's given them you know at s my whatever Kyrie sure. euro you know what like so for Kyrie, you know the Kyrie to give it back to them it's what the fans want they want you know that acknowledgement the that the athlete can hear you that what you're saying is doing whatever to him and you no know, like on top of it Kyrie played a hell of a game game one right. he was uh right he, he played amazing and the Celtics still pulled out the victory on a, on a last second, you know, layup. So not that everybody went home happy, but the Celtics fans got what they want. Kyrie was, you know, able to prove that at least for the first game that all that, you know, trying to get in his head stuff didn't work because he was out there. <laughs> he was out there killing you regardless. And honest to God, I think we need more of this in not just basketball, but in sports in general, not to where you're going to cross the line and like go physically harm somebody. But if you're, if you're in the front row and you're out and you're yelling things at athletes, as long, you know, things can get you kicked out. And I've seen that before. Um, and, and it should, if you're going to say something, be a line. yeah. Yeah. If there's a line that's crossed, then yeah, get out of there. But if you're just, if you're just out there shouting out F's and B's and whatever, and you're only directing it at the player or something, let it fly. And if they talk back to you, that's just part of the game. I don't know, man. I, I don't know if I don't know if I can say I want to see more of it in sports. Every game, just because because here's the deal: if you move that line, then you come up next to the line, then you're going to move that line further, and then you're going to move that line further, right? And to me, coming from my background, education, all that kind of stuff, when a fan's chirping like that, it's like the kid in the classroom that's just seeking negative attention. Right. They want to be acknowledged in any way that they can be acknowledged at all. Kyrie, in a sense, though, he did drop 39 on them and had a great game one. He let those fans win by reacting that way. You know what I'm saying? Like. I've always been a proponent and maybe this makes me an old man. I get that, but I've always been a proponent of anybody can run their mouths but your game can speak louder than the mouth can, right? So for him to react, like, listen, let them chirp. Let them say whatever. Those guys are sitting in those seats for a reason, right? They're not on the court. They're dealing with their own set of insecurities. Let them deal with those insecurities and just go dominate their team. They're not going to have much to say after that. What can they say? So to me, when, when I saw it, I was like, man... I get why it happened. And I'm not even really mad at Kyrie for it. Cause you could, I mean, you have a certain level of tolerance for this kind of stuff, right? But at the end of the day, it's just a bad look. 
You know what I mean? I, no, because I, <laughs> I don't agree. Like, I'm I just saying, you don't want. agree, but it's just like, like, dude, you are a professional basketball player, and <clears throat> I'm not saying you have to hold yourself morally to a higher standard or anything like that, right? But, like, who are those guys? Those well, okay. Guys. So, like, that's part of it, though. Those guys go into the psyche of the people sitting courtside at the playoff game or damn near courtside. Those are probably very rich people who aren't used to getting talked to like that either. And are used to getting away with it. Okay. I can see that. But what is accomplished, right? If there's more of this going to happen in sports, it's going to be. Listen, I, I think fans need to be held accountable for what they say. 100%, 100%, right? And and especially if it gets to be racial or derogatory or whatever the case may be, there definitely needs to be some type of comeuppance to that. But, like, the only person that really suffered in this exchange is Kyrie Irving. Yeah, he flipped the bird, but he also got fined $50,000. Well, so, yeah, you hit, you hit his wallet. Yes, you did it, and... So I, I just think, I don't know, I just would be like, man, I don't know. Would Michael Jordan have done this? I think so. You think so? You think Michael Jordan would have flipped the bird on national TV after hitting a three-pointer? <laughs> no. He would have crossed Byron Scott. Was it Byron Scott? Number three from the Jazz. I can see the play. I just can't remember. The, I think his last name was Scott. He'd have crossed him over. He'd have hit the game-winning shot, and he'd have held the follow-through. Russell. That's right. It's Russell. He'd have, he'd have stood there and hit the follow through. That's the talking you uh, need to have. You I, know what I, mean? I think I think if Jordan was around like during the social media era, where he could just get twenty four seven nonstop disrespect <laughs> from all these fans, uh, and they'd probably know way more about him because you can Google everything sure. that this dude's ever said. Right? I'm sure that's a lot sure. of stuff that's gone to Kyrie, anti vax, flat Earth, all that stuff. I'm sure that's being being thrown at him. Uh, so I think if Jordan had to deal with all that and then got just like that much more vitriol. Uh, I I do think he would have lashed out at the fans. Maybe not flipping a bird, but he, I think he definitely would have talked talked smack back. Look, I talking. I have no problem. I have no problem with the talking. Okay, that maybe that's where I draw that. I talk about that line, right? Like maybe I have no problem with him sitting there, John, or hit that three pointer and just stare at the dude, and then be like, "Yeah, I know you wish you were me," and then walk away, right? But the the bird flipping and all that kind of stuff, that's kind of where I'm like, maybe that was just a step too far. Because the only person that lost in that exchange is, is Kyrie Irving. Because the videos are all over social media. Because his wallet got hit, right? I, I pray and I hope that Adam Silver is smart enough when things like this happen that there's never going to be like games lost for it, right? Unless it, I mean, unless it is like a, Ron Artest, Meta World Peace, whatever he's calling himself, running into the stands and and punching a dude at the palace, right? But there's got to be some kind of control. I think if Kyrie flips him off again, I think he'll be suspended. I think think they'll let him get away with talking smack. But I I think they've already told him privately. No, because obviously it hasn't been reported, and I don't know if it's true. I would guess they told him privately, like, hey, keep, (laughs) keep your hands... Just just don't put up the finger, and you'll okay. be all right. Short of so throwing the ball at a spectator. 
let's work off of that hypothetical private meeting, right? Do you trust Kyrie Irving enough to not <laughs> do something like that with for his team? Uh, I don't know. No, I'd, I'd probably say I no. But I don't either. I don't know. So you that just, you just hope he doesn't, so that he can play in Brooklyn. Say what? So you just hope he doesn't, so that he can play in Brooklyn. I guess so, but my goodness, like it's walking a fine line, right? I mean, or it's, just like Kevin Durant do it. Yeah. And then they'll give him the warning. Yeah, it'll be like, hey, Kevin, you're up. Hey, Blake, you're next. Andre, next, right? Like, right. just it's just get line. everybody just get everybody on the team. Maybe you're standing next to Kyrie and you flip the bird, but Kyrie doesn't have to, yeah, right? He, he yeah. whispers in your ear so everyone can see it, and then they just go, ah. Sure, there, uh, sure, there you go. There's your plan, Kyrie. You should listen to Detroit Sports Nation. You, Take our advice because we will keep you out of the suspended territory and playing every game. We've talked about the beef between Boston and Kyrie, so let's move to another beef, right? Yeah, sizzling. DeMarcus Cousins, George Carl, cannot stop exchanging jabs. A Carl coached Cousins when he was with the Kings towards the end of his career with the Kings. Okay, he moved on about a year after Carl was done. But man, oh man, they are just exchanging shots. First of all, DeMarcus Cousins says the Kings didn't do anything for him in his time there other than saying his name on draft day, which I'm like, whoa, okay, all right. And Carl says that they paid him about $50 million to play basketball. So the big question for us to answer here on Throwing Stones, Ryan, is whose side are you on? Um, so I'm on DeMarcus Cousins' side in the sense that he's right. The Kings didn't do anything except draft him, but DeMarcus Cousins was good enough anyway that the Kings didn't draft him. Whoever was behind the Kings was going to draft him. This isn't like an Isaiah Thomas, not Pistons Isaiah Thomas, but former Kings Isaiah Thomas situation where he's the 60th pick in the draft. And he may not have gotten an opportunity sure. unless the Kings had, you know, set your name on draft day. But for DeMarcus Cousins, he was getting drafted anyway. And same thing with the contract thing. And this is not just DeMarcus Cousins and George Carl specific. It's something that you hear a lot. They should be grateful that this person gave them an opportunity. And usually you hear that about people who are pretty highly rated, right? They're going to get drafted anyway. You're just the team that happened to pick them. Um, same thing with the contract. If you guys didn't want to give him $50 million, somebody else would have just <laughs> because he because he was just that good. So I, I understand DeMarcus's you know, frustrations there. And the Kings have been a horribly run organization. This isn't the first time George Carl has beefed with the star player. He beefed with Carmelo, uh, who he coached in Oakland. And I'm I'm not sure. Th- I think there was somebody with the uh, Sonics. I can't remember who. It was probably Sean Kemp, Carmelo honestly. Carmelo in Oakland. Or Carmelo in Denver. Denver. Okay, I was like, yeah, hold on a second. Okay. I was, yes, I was correct. Um, yeah, Car- Carmelo in Denver. Uh, you know. George Carl has, has beefed with him as well, calling him out in, in his books and stuff. So this is not Carl's first run in. It's not DeMarcus Cousins' first run in with uh, with beefing with somebody. But I am team. I am team DeMarcus Cousins. Uh, he is good enough. Again, he's going to get drafted and get paid to play basketball anywhere. The Kings aren't so special that they're the ones that did it. Yeah, I. So I'm I'm looking through like his transaction history, right on Basketball Reference. So. He wasn't on a rookie deal when they let him go. He couldn't have been. Uh, no, seven... probably not. He would have been, say, seven years in the league. 
Right, he was already seven years in the league. He got traded, so they obviously had... I, I just can't find... Oh, here we go. Okay, so he was making the year he got... Yeah, here you go. Yeah, I don't... Man, I, this is tough. Like, George... Carl has a point, right? Like, they played... They paid him to play basketball, which I get, right? But 100%, you're correct. If the Kings don't take him at five, maybe Golden State takes him at six in 2010, right? Because I bet you, in hindsight, you're looking back and they're thinking, oh, well, um, was it Ekbe Udo Ekbe from Udo. Baylor? Huh? Ekbe Udo. Yeah, Ekbe Udo. That's who they took. Then, you know, the Pistons took Greg Monroe. So even if Golden State doesn't take him, does DeMarcus come to – the motor- yeah, I like, mean, DeMar- DeMarcus Cousins was a much, even as a prospect, he was much better than either Monroe or or Udo was. Right, uh, and that's and what I'm saying. There's so no much debate about it at the time. No, there's not much debate. And even looking at, like, the names that went before him in the draft, you're kind of like, hmm, Evan Turner from Ohio State. He didn't really do much in Philadelphia that I remember. Derek Favors going to the Nets. God, so bad. And Wesley Johnson going to the Timberwolves. So, I mean, John Wall, John Wall getting drafted by, you know, Washington at that time. Yeah, I that was a pretty clear number one overall pick. But Cousins could have gone number two. Yeah, Wall's teammate. And and so I like I, I tend to side with you on the fact that, like, yeah, the Kings really didn't do anything for DeMarcus. No, they didn't try did, to like, lock him up. Long term, they could have very easily, after that rookie deal expired, given him a, a, an extension to make him a king for a long time. But they clearly didn't want to do that. I mean, it, it looks like at some point they did give him um, an extension because he went from making basically five million dollars to 13, 14, 16, 18. So, right. probably before the 2015 season, they uh, it looks like it was probably a four year deal worth that's what 34, that's about 27. Probably so, probably like sixty million dollars or somewhere around there. Um, but I mean, that's standard in the NBA. Teams do that all the time to guys that I don't think they're necessarily, you know, in in love with. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Kings. I guess they did give him a chance because you drafted him. But anybody else is going to draft him. He was going to get the same chance to play basketball. And if you didn't give him that money, somebody else would have. Again, no, it's not a situation where you picked Isaiah Thomas 60th, and then you can really have a claim like, "Hey, we really." helped start your NBA career. That's just not the case here with and the Marcus it, Cousins. And it's not the case with a lot of the times that you hear this when the guys are, you know, first pick overall or second pick overall. Right. <laughs> so somebody is going to take them anyway. And I'm not like, it didn't seem like he was that much of a problem. Like he, in four years, he served two suspensions for one game each. So it's not like he was like a major problem for them either. Now, I'm sure there were some frustrations because I don't really remember those teams being that great. No, they weren't. Right. And they really haven't been that great in Sacramento since the, you know, Jason Williams, Chris Weber, you know, those days, and then drafting Mike Bibby to go along with that and shipping Jason Williams out, who, when I was in middle school, Jason Williams was like my favorite player because <laughs> he was flashy, right? Um, but... I got to side with with uh, DeMarcus on this one. Like, it, it, 
it's pretty clear cut. Like the Kings did not do what you should do with a caliber player like that. And having watched him in Denver, it seems like he's fit into a nice little role on the Nuggets team in the playoffs while Sacramento's sitting at home. Yeah. Um, I mean, Cousins has, you know, had some bad, like, injury history. I mean, he was on Golden State. I forgot who he had, like, a cup of coffee with last year. I think the Bucks. Um, And now he's just kind of like this journeyman backup center who can give you some stuff sometimes. So he's kind of reinvented himself in almost like a Dwight Howard role, where it was a guy who at one time, honestly, you could have considered him to be like the best center in the NBA for a little bit there. And then, you know, injuries and he, he was difficult to coach. Uh, you know, so I'm sure Carl has some legitimate beef there, but George Carl also, like I said, he's beef with his other stars before. So George Carl probably thinks that what, like what he knows and that his coach brain is just like the, sure. you know, the, the Bible of basketball and that he can't be questioned yeah. with obviously going to rub off uh, wrong on some players, especially ones who have stronger personalities like Carmelo Anthony, you know, like DeMarcus Cousins and the Kings, again, have just been always horribly run. So I'm sure that didn't help either because you didn't have that organizational support to, you know, like quell the flames right. of that beef when it was first starting to simmer. So you mentioned strong personalities and we're already in the state of California. So, Ryan, we might as well talk about winning time and good old Kareem, who hates winning time. Who called it boring, unfunny, and untrue. Now, I have not, out of full transparency, I have not seen, I think, the last two episodes that have been released. Because they're released on Sunday nights, right? Yep. So the last one I've seen is where the coach has the bike accident. Okay? That's the last one that I've seen. But I am going to catch up. I wonder... If the reason why Kareem thinks that it's boring, unfunny, and untrue is because of the way that he is portrayed as a not-so-nice and welcoming player to the star of the show, Magic Johnson. And I wonder if there's a little bitterness. I, I think there is. Now, Kareem and his substack or whatever it was, the, the article that he wrote, the blog that he wrote, whatever you want to call it, Um, he mentioned, you know, I've dealt with civil rights issues. I've dealt with racism. I've dealt with all X, Y, and Z. So nothing that a TV show could say is going to like hurt my feelings or, you know, phase me in any way. Uh, but he does go like out of his way specifically to say, I never told that kid on the set of airplane to F off. There's other things that they've said that I've done that just aren't true. And, you know, a lot, a lot of the beefs that he does pick out do seem to kind of just be like with the storytelling in general and how people are portrayed. He doesn't, uh, you know, he doesn't go so much into himself, like at least in his article, but he does mention that a lot of these guys he feel like can't. they're caricatures. Yeah. I mean, he you can't, can't right? Like if he like just there and goes, man, they portrayed me so horribly. They yeah. made me look like the biggest jerk of all time. Like then people are going to be like, Kareem, really, man? Like, really? You're proving you're proving the them right because you're I mean, making it all about yourself. You're making about the guy that goes to the coach and says, "I'll get thirty and ten, and 
will win the game, right? Like that is, he can't say that. So he's got to find this way to say, well, it's the storytelling and it's the this and it's that. It's an HBO series that is meant for entertainment and it's quite entertaining. Yeah, I like it a lot. So I am I on the I'm, I am on the side where I'm just like, oh, sorry, Kareem. He's yeah, entertaining. Like, sorry, pal. I, I think we're at least getting season two of it. So I'm pretty I'm pretty amped up about it. But I did, you know, I was wondering when one of these guys from that era were gonna break their silence on it. Um, because obviously Magic hasn't said anything about it. Uh, Genie Bus hasn't said anything about it. Gary Bus is dead, so he can't. Um, right. I don't really think I've heard Spencer Haywood talk about it um, so much. And cool. Oh, Nor- Norm Nixon, the only thing he said, um, or I think maybe he was his son said it because his son plays like the the actor who plays Norm Nixon is Norm Nixon's like son in real life. So. Uh, you know, I, I think they're interviewing his son and he's like, yeah, my dad just said, don't make me look like a fool. And that was kind of it. So, and I don't think, you know, Pat Riley or anything is like commented on it either. So just to like hear one of those, one of the centerpieces, you know, of, of the show and of the Lakers dynasty finally come out and say something about it. And I knew they were going to say, no, <laughs> like this of stuff, is, this stuff is all baloney because it doesn't portray a lot of them in you know su- such a great light um i'd say pat riley probably well you're not at that part yet but pat riley probably has the most favorable portrayal of uh of any of these guys so far well and- i mean through the first five they've been pretty favorable to magic as far as i'm concerned well i mean yeah, yeah, except for the part where magic would probably tell you you know he wasn't as much of a deviant as the show liked to portray but then okay. there are also stories that say no magic was was getting it down like that um, and it's also like the show is also based on a book and right. Matt's reading the book. Um, I I haven't read the book, so I don't know how many of these stories are like directly pulled from that source material. So I guess if Kareem's going to have a beef with somebody, it might not even be the show necessarily. Like maybe you should focus your attention on the book first and then see how that stacks up with with what HBO is giving us. Um but, I mean, I, I kind of knew this was coming to a point. I didn't know Kareem would be the one yeah. to do it. And I would say read the article, everybody out there, if you hadn't. Because even though I don't agree with it, because I like winning time, uh, it's still pretty funny. You know, Kareem's still got some got some bars in there uh, that, that he's <laughs> able to drop on, uh, on Adam McKay and just on the show in general. Yeah, I mean, it's Hollywood. I mean, at the end of the day, it's Hollywood, right? So things are going to be exaggerated it's for entertainment value so of course if they told the exact true story of what happened during those years they're probably not getting the reaction of oh this is so great it's so fun like right because you've got to exaggerate it's hollywood it's going to happen and if anybody should understand it it's the guys that literally played in hollywood during that time so just like Kareem, let it be what it is. It's a form of entertainment. It's not a documentary. So it doesn't have to be 100% factual. It just has to be 100% entertaining, which it is. It is. And if you want to, if you want to be 100% entertained, make sure that you're subscribing to all of our stuff on Detroit Sports Nation, our Throwing Stones podcast, Straight Shooting, and Beyond the Box that you can find AJ on. We also got the big picture rolling out and just tons of other shows and content that we have for you guys 
down below. You'll see all of our channels there. So make sure you are subscribing, you are liking our videos, you are commenting. We got live videos rolling out as well. So jump in those live streams, uh, give us questions, and I mean, I'm sure we'll do our best to answer them. But Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, all of that fun stuff. And of course, DetroitSportsNation.com if you want to go direct to the source itself you guys can find us uh you know really everywhere that you're looking um but thank you guys so much that has been this edition of throwing stones aj thank you for joining me no problem aj riley and ryan griffin that is our show and we will see you again on thursday that's what we record but we'll see you a little bit out of that